In a podcasting world filled with true crimes, insane interview podcasts, and gross celeb news stories, Bryce and Ren, that's us, try to do the impossible. Create a podcast that'll help you survive your commute or workday. Bryce and Ren and Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. My name is Bryce Henderson. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Today we'll be discussing season three, episode eight of Succession. <laughs> uh, titled uh, Chad Deshire. Uh, with me is Ren. Ren's going to talk about this too. Ren, how's it going? What's up? I'm, uh, I'm excited for episode one of our episode two of our new podcast. Yeah, so this is, um, last week it was kind of like, uh, it was a fool's joke. Yeah, April Fool's. Yeah, we got, we got the audience good, um, and we only talked Succession instead of Ned's. I think that the, Ren, one of the issues there is that, uh, so we did that, and then this week, uh, so we put that podcast out into the world. We heard from no one, um, (laughs) about, about this, which truly means that you and I are, um, well, talking into a void, potentially, right? Um, but also... There, there's some ears in the void with us. There's, there's some ears in the void. And so it, it, it gives us, though, I think, a, gives me more... It makes me feel like we have more freedom mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, talk about what we want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but also, we're a Ned's podcast. So uh, I think what we decided is we're going to talk some succession this week and next week as well. And then uh, the Grinch. Yep, Grinch week. And then after that, we'll uh, go back to Ned's, a very Neddy New Year. Uh, New Year's Nedathon. Yes. So we're going to pretty much uh, talk about three episodes of Ned's at the same time, maybe four, I don't know. Um, going forth. Yeah, uh, and so we'll just kind of, that'll be less structured than our normal Ned's podcast, and I think that with that, Ren, you and I kind of are talking about it a little bit this week, but like, I think the structure of the podcast needs to be broken down and built back up. I think so, too. I think we, so I, I've noticed in the past few weeks, we've kind of, besides the report cards, we lost the questionnaires. Yeah. Which tells me that the Corey format is has run its course. Yeah. I think we need to reshuffle things a bit. Yeah. And I think um, the format worked for Corey. And we've, we, I've said this already, but like Corey was an absurd show. Yeah. So being able to talk about like, and then next, almost as if like, like we're talking gossip, like you'll never believe <laughs> what happens next. You'll, you'll never guess what Corey did this yeah. week. Yeah, and then, the like, the little shit did this. Um, <laughs> versus with Ned's, it's like, okay, and then the next, like, we have this next scene where it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I feel like we do. We, we um, kind of get rid of that structure, and we maybe just keep it more loose, more freeform, uh, and uh, open it up to, to kind of what we want to talk about. 
and still have Neds as the focus, um, just not this week or next week or the week after. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe after that, we'll, <laughs> we'll give it a try. Um, and that could be really beneficial. And if that, I don't know, if that does end up kind of working or feeling natural to us, we'll, we'll play around with it. Maybe we'll end up doing like, like two, um, talk about two Ned's episodes in a single episode as well. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll, faster. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see what, what feels right for it. It's not that I don't enjoy Ned's, um, but it's just, I think it incites a very different kind of conversation than Corey did. A thousand ten percent. I think the Corey conversations were often a bit more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that to keep the podcast more fun, to keep us having more fun, Ren, I think that we we scrap that format and we just, you know, do what we do best. Which is talking about succession for three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So with all that said, Ren, the question of the week, which we will find out in approximately three hours, two hours, 45 minutes of recording this, is Kendall Roy dead? This is something I've been thinking about a lot this week. Mm -hmm. When I finished last week's episode, my immediate takeaway was yes, Kendall had drowned himself, he had killed himself. Okay. The more time that I've had to meditate on it, and in rewatching the episode, I do feel like he was trying to see how long... He, he was doing what Logan essentially said to him at the dinner. He was trying to see how long the boy was underwater before he started breathing in. Yep. I, yeah. Though I'm kind of on the fence if there will be consequences to this, I don't believe Kendall will die, but I could see a scenario where, like, maybe someone sees him drowning and saves him and we get a little bit of tension from there. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I didn't think about that, about someone seeing him face down in the pool. Um seemingly not moving i believe that he is alive as well mm-hmm. uh, i i especially the rewatch kind of like cemented that idea for me is that that's what he's doing he's seeing how long it takes to breathe underwater before like to reach that point of, of feeling like you're suffocating and uh, kind of going off like what the whole story is building with uh, Lucas Madsen, the Skarsgård guy's character. Yeah. Like, his scene with Roman, where he's discussing how he's interested in failure, like, as much failure as possible, as quickly as possible, I feel like, story-wise, that that fits Kendall perfectly where he's at. Huh. And, like, with, with the tension that uh, Waystar is having with Gojo at the moment, mm-hmm. I could see Madsen pulling out from the Waystar deal and trying to support, and supporting Kendall in whatever venture he so chooses next. That's interesting because uh, Kendall and and Lucas have some kind of connection, they right? Do. Kendall had him hooked up in the treehouse during his birthday party, huh. and they had that scene before Roman uh, swept in and tried to negotiate with Madsen. Well, that would be interesting. It would be. I mm-hmm. that the because fa- the thing is the failure scene, his little monologue didn't stick out to me the first mm-hmm. time I watched the episode, but the second time. Yeah, it really resonated with me in regards to Kendall and kind of like the Kendall Roman dichotomy, especially now that Roman's finally on his downward trajectory for the season. Mm-hmm. He definitely is. <laughs> yeah, um, I I like that because my question is, and I think that what we're left with 
in thinking is Kendall dead is if he is dead it's fine for this like it feels fine for the story it feels complete right it feels natural um and so people are almost left thinking and I find myself as well thinking of if he's alive what are they going to do with him like what how could he possibly fit into this world that he wants out of that he begged his dad to be let out of uh, I think the episode mm-hmm. kind of addresses that, though, with uh, Shiv's conversation with her mother, especially when Carolyn says that Logan's never loved anything that he didn't want to kick just to see if it would come back. Yeah. I feel like that like that line completely recontextualizes the dynamic between Kendall and Logan to me. Logan's just trying to see if Kendall's going to come back. <sighs> see, so that I don't know. You don't, you don't see that? I, I have such a hard time imagining what Kendall and Logan have been through for Logan. Well, so that could be Logan's intentions, but I don't see Kendall actually going back. No, I don't see Kendall going back, but I okay, think okay. Logan wants. Yeah. So, but yeah. I can see that in if Kendall sticks around for, you know, succeeding seasons, Logan's motivation would be wanting to you know, bring Kendall back by any means necessary, getting mm-hmm. as aggressive as he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I buy that. And I think that it also, like, it, it gives more understanding as to what Logan's trying to do here. Yeah. Um, with his relationship with Kendall. Why he, he just keeps on pushing and pushing and pushing him away. Um, yeah, there was, this episode was so great, Red. I think it was my favorite of the season, and that's coming off last week's, which at the time was my favorite of the season. Yeah, it was just firing on all cylinders. Every single scene felt like, wow, that scene is going to be the one that's remembered. And then the next scene would happen. They'd be like, oh shit, that's going to be the scene that's remembered. Like, um, That really stuck out to me on the rewatch, just how many memorable scenes we get in like mm-hmm. back-to-back rapid-fire succession. Um, pun intended? Not really, but it works. Okay. Uh, like, Connor Connor uh, proposes in this episode. This is the big Connor uh, proposal. I, I love the Connor proposal, but I also love him talking about the complete Pope. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite, like, non-sequitur jokes in Succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, I, will, I like Willa being like, Con, you ever met a Pope? Con's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a few Popes back. Very yeah. Pope? Complete mm-hmm. Pope? Uh, but he also he's like yeah he was like into the whole religion thing I think is what, how very Connor religious. puts it very religious. Will is like oh guess you didn't drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> Their relationship is so interesting. I I really like it because I I like when Connor is about to propose to Willa. Willa thinks that he's gonna break up. Thinks that the opposite's yeah. coming. Well, and well so, the way he words it is like this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, I mean. You know, it's it's tough, but you got to make the steps to become a bulletproof candidate. Yeah. Uh, a bulletproof president, I, I think is how he puts it. He, um, yeah, he, he uh, she thinks that he's going to break up. So she starts say, going on about like, like, you know, I don't mind. I could go back underground and like live on my own in New York again, which almost feels like that's what she wants. It's absolutely what Willa wants. She, yeah. I don't think she ever wanted like the lifestyle Connors offered her. But he offers so many opportunities that she mm-hmm. feels like she can't say no. No. So she's just like stuck at his side. And then uh, that proposal is so uncomfortable. 
uh, other people are around to see it. Uh, and then she's like, oh, oh, uh, oh. And like, ex- excluding her proposal reaction, I do think it's interesting that, like, despite the fact that their relationship is so transactional, they have the most amicable chemistry of the couples on the show. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, the- they actually play around together, they joke around, they stick up for each other. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's very interesting. I, I think it's because they have they have like a working relationship in like That's every true. sense of the word. Like it's they just have like a working relationship. There's um, a level of professionalism there. There's there's a level of professionalism, which is why Will is so caught off guard here because it it kind of you know throws off a little bit of that professionalism that she's come to expect from him. I'm like knowing Connor. I'm also assuming this is completely undiscussed. They probably never. Oh no. Subject of marriage. No. So my, uh, I was wondering, like, I always wonder in, in TV shows and stuff, like, did he bring that ring? So like, was this, did he know he was going to do this? Or was this just because of the, the digging that was potentially going on into Willow's past? Like, Connor's a Roy. He could get a ring pretty quickly. Yeah. He just like, tells someone, hey, like, go fetch me a ring. Yeah. Any ring. Any ring will do. Any ring will do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and even by the end of the episode, like, we don't have an answer, right? No, we don't. We're left uh, in the flux. Wow. Wow. But it's, you know, Ren, the longer that that gets put off, like, the less and less uh, romantic it's going to seem. It's getting a bit unromantic. Do you feel pity for Connor? What do you feel about him? Um, no, I don't feel pity for Connor. I don't. I I, I don't pity him either, but... Something about him. I, I want to know more about Connor. He's the Roy. He's the Roy sibling who's still the Vegas. I think. Yeah, like what if we were to get like a Connor centric episode at one point, um, of him living his life away from his siblings, like on the ranch, whatever it is. Who's gonna succeed him on the ranch? <laughs> he's got his own little games yeah, going. He does. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I would watch it. I would for sure. Uh, be interested in a, a Connor uh, centric episode. I think that would be really interesting. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm hoping next season we'll actually see some of his like presidency stuff in motion. Well, it's I'm so back and forth. Like it's almost like, um, like how real is it? How, I like, think the fact that it's persisted this long, like it's got it's it's a gun waiting to go off, because I feel like the perfect point to cap out on the, you know, President Khan storyline would have been last season where Logan just flat out told him, like, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. But we've got an entire season of this. And we even got that episode where they're, like, looking for the next candidate and Connor's name was floated around like it was a viable choice. Yeah. I can definitely see, like, next season, we get, an R- like, an RNC debate episode where Connor just makes a fool of himself or something. Okay, so you're not saying, like, he necessarily... The storyline doesn't have to end in him being president. No, it doesn't have to end okay. in him being president, but I can definitely see, like, him playing out the election cycle. Yeah, okay, that that I would like to see. And, like, uh, what better yeah. way to reintroduce and recontextualize Gil's presence in the plot? Like, introduce him in season one so he can be a major antagonist when Connor eventually runs for president. Yep, yep. Instead um, of inventing a new character. Yeah. I think that that's great. 
I, I, I would be very happy with um, getting to see more Connor running for president. That would make me happy. Uh, so long as he doesn't win. That's, yeah. <laughs> I fear that future for even the fictional U.S. that is succession. Um, so, okay, so we have that going on. Uh, that's what Willa, Willa and Connor have uh, going on. Uh, what did you think of the setting this week? I always love... Well, there's, there's only been three so far, but mm-hmm. I love the end-of-season settings for Succession. Mm-hmm. They, like, go all out with these beautiful, extravagant venues. It's yeah. in a very, like, specific atmosphere for the episode. Yeah, it's, like, gorgeous. It's also... Um... I love the shots of the, um, for the bachelorette party when they're all like getting out of their vehicles and like walking through the town and we're seeing like the people in town, like looking at them. Yeah. It's almost like, like, I think that the reason why they did that is because it's just showing like, they're pretty much taking over this town for an evening. Um, yeah, this is, this is their town to live in for a night and then be gone the next day, um, and leave everyone else in the dust. It also just shows just how simple they can live in excess. Like mm-hmm. Roman drinking the champagne and then throwing it Tossing out it. after a sip. Yeah. Like, that's nothing to them. It doesn't mean a thing. No, it's he wanted nothing. Water. Uh, um, can we talk Shiv? Dude. <laughs> this was one of Shiv's worst episodes, in, in the best way. What do you, like... What, what do you mean by that? Like, in she looked worse? No, in terms of behavior. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, just her treatment of Tom coming off her conversation with her mother, complete cruelty. Yeah. There's this, um, so there's a shot when Shiv and Tom first arrive. We see them, um, get out of their vehicle and walk into the house that they will be staying in. And we we see a, um, a employee trailing behind them carrying a massive suitcase and then a suitcase that is smaller and like struggling to hold the the bigger one and this shot lingered and first first time watching no no thoughts nothing yeah. but this time i was like oh it's it's shiv and tom uh, it or at least that's what it, it screamed to me i was like oh it's the giant suitcase like the big presence the power and then tom's just like the smaller compact like happy to go along suitcase i noticed a lot of that I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because mm-hmm. i noticed a lot of that kind of uh power play dynamic in the visuals mm-hmm. there's another scene in the episode where roman and jerry are talking and jerry's asking roman not to send her any more dick pics yeah and they're on a staircase and jerry yeah. positioned much lower than roman mm-hmm. and there's like a painting of a like it's like a christ figure in the background or something yeah yeah i thought it was very interesting because typically they they they're usually level or Jerry's above Roman when they have their mm-hmm. like, dialogues. Yep. In this case, he was up top. He was like hanging on the railing. He was spinning spinning around, uh, and she was she was much lower. Um, yeah. So that Shiv and Tom, like, we see them. Um, I actually I really liked the, and we'll talk more about Greg. Uh, Greg didn't have a lot going on here, but we'll talk more about him in, in a few moments. Uh, but I love them um, working together to kind of like uh, pick on Greg a little bit. Me too. I, it's one of the few moments where you can kind of see why they like each other. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you can see the relationship underneath all the venom. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very sad episode for Tom. Oh, it's super sad. He's a poor guy. Poor dude. Um... Yeah, I love that they're they're playfully like ribbing Greg, making fun of him together, uh, and then Shiv's mom is walking into the scene, and that's when of course Shiv says her line about like, like oh she's gonna ask about my marriage and if we're gonna have kids, and Tom is like oh so how is your marriage, and are you gonna have children? In Shiv's fucking face. Yeah. Yeah. I love when she does that face though. Mm-hmm. Or like incredulous, I don't know how to respond to that, so I'm not going to phase. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tom, please stop. Please stop. And so then Shiv goes off to the Bachelorette party, has her whole conversation with her mom, which that was one of those scenes where you watch it and you're like, this is gonna be the best scene of the episode. Right? And somehow it isn't. It's no, it's like maybe in the top five. Um but yeah, and it just gives so much understanding to like Shiv's relationship with her dad, um, the way that Logan treats everyone, Shiv's relationship, um, and like understanding of power. I'm wondering if you got this vibe as well. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt that Carolyn's relationship with Peter Onion was a lot like Shiv's relationship with Tom. Like she, like huh. in her scene with Roman, the way she's kind of writing off Peter Munyon as, like, a, you know, kind of laugh-at-him kind of guy. Like, she call, she's, like, calling him names when he's not around, making fun of him. Yeah, no, I didn't... I thought I it was very interesting. I did not piece that together, but I agree with that. Um, I think that there is, is an interesting comparison there. Uh, she's also, I mean, Carolyn's sitting there and saying she's never, she's never won a day in her life, Ren. Yeah, that line just... Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that there's no truth to it. No, either. look at where you are, girl. Like, you may have not won every battle, but dude. You've won a few. You've definitely won a few if you're, you know, on your, like, third or fourth marriage, as implied, um, at a bachelorette party in, like, Tuscany. You're okay. You're good. Uh, Red, you are my onion. <laughs> I thought the scene was going to end there the yeah. first time watching it. And the fact it didn't, and Carolyn just straight up says she never should have had children. Mm-hmm. Succession really knows how to like lay in a gut punch. Yeah, and but it's like if, if you're watching Shiv's face, you you kind of feel like she's trying to joke with Carolyn that maybe a little bonding moment's gonna come. Yeah. But it's yeah. completely flipped. But it's like, I think that these scenes almost have to be there because, like, we ask ourselves, why do we care so much about these terrible characters? And it's like, you can't help but feel a little bit awful for Shiv as her mom sits there and is like, you make me cry. Uh, You always knew how to twist the knife even when you were a child. Red, what else with with Shiv and Tom do you want to talk about? With Shiv and Tom, uh, they... Shiv wanted Tom to say some things to her, Bryson. They got out of hand. Okay. okay could you be more specific? Could you? Uh, I, I had to. I so, fast forwarded those scenes because they looked a little bit promiscuous. So uh, okay. I, I just so, skipped them. Let me explain them to you. Okay. So in these scenes, uh, Shiv and Tom are about to begin doing lovemaking. Okay. When Shiv says, 
Tom say some dirty stuff to me. Mm-hmm. And Tom goes, uh, Shiv, I, uh, I don't really know. Uh, maybe you mm-hmm. can say some stuff. So yeah. Shiv, uh, pretty says... good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Shiv says, uh, I'm out of your league. You know, mm-hmm. you think she's kind of like playing around here. And then she says, what we've all been thinking all season. Yeah. I don't love you, but you love me. And that's why you want me. Yeah. And the emotions on Tom's face, mm-hmm. like from e- every little second, it's different. You can see him processing it and kind of like rationalizing it and then just giving into it. Yeah. It's some of the best acting on the show. And it is like chillingly sad. You're, the heart, like your heart just has to break for poor Tom, who like he's known that he's like, here's the thing that kills me. Like Tom needs to leave Schiff. Yeah. Tom needs to do that. Like last at the end of season two, Tom was pretty much like, you know, I, I'm considering it. He, he realized how poorly yeah. Shiv was treating him and mm-hmm. finally addressed it. Yeah. And I think, um, so like, I think that's definitely the biggest like takeaway from the scene, but also Shiv comes in hot. Like Shiv comes in talking about how she, like she's, it's her time to make power moves. Like she's gonna. How she wants uh, to have a baby. Yeah. Her dad's gonna, uh, push her away so many times but it doesn't matter because she's gonna like work hard the they gotta take out the manic pixie uh all this stuff everything and tom's like and me and she's like oh yeah yeah you'll be there sure um oh my goodness yeah uh i like shiv is just i don't know i was excited to see Shiv at the start of the scene. I was like, yes, like she needed this, this bump. She needed this push to, to get her back into the running. Um, but she, it's almost like she's embracing what her mom said about like, you know how to twist the knife. She's like, damn right. Like I do. And I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to. What I'm seeing also is Shiv embracing Logan's philosophy of mm-hmm. picking something she loves to see if she'll come back. And she even verbalizes that in the scene, she says, I don't care how many times dad kicks me. Yep. It's something she's actively processed, and she's accepted it as part of Logan's, like, love language, and she's adopting it as her own against Tom. Or she, uh-huh. has, she has the whole time, but now she, she understands mm-hmm. it and is clearly embracing it. No. And then, like, for them to then have that next scene where Tom's trying to process and be like, so Shiv, do you know what you said? Like, you hurt my feelings. That's, like, ultimately where Tom's at. Tom's like, you made me really, really upset. And, like, it hurt. And Shiv's like, uh, Shiv's like, what happens in Sex Vegas? Right? It's manipulative to ask someone to say terrible things Mm -hmm. to you and then cry about it. Yeah, and then be upset when the things are actually terrible. Like, that's being manipulative, Tom. Please stop. Tom didn't even ask. Shiv told him to Mm -hmm. do it. He said no. So he asked her for an example, and then it went too far immediately. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it was just so sad. Felt so sad for Tom. And, like, uh, Shiv is kind of backpedaling on this whole baby business. She was just like That's feeling right. it last night. Eggs now, ten yeah. years. Yeah, it could be up to ten years, but who knows? Um, and like you know, if they get divorced, they could always like, you know, Shiv. <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom would still uh have Shiv's baby if Shiv died. Shiv's a bit a little on the fence though. Yeah, yeah. Shiv, can I think about it? Shiv says to. 
Oh, man. We leave so many characters with so many things to ponder. Willa thinking about whether or not she'll say yes to Connor. Shiv thinking about whether or not, uh, 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 what, she'll have, uh, have Tom's kids if Tom dies. Yeah. It's, we're, it's an interesting second to last episode. Yeah, it is. I like that we're kind of, I really like how Succession does its, like, season finales. It sets the stage in in the second to last episode, and then we get the big climax in the finale. I think that that's how it should be. I think penultimate episodes are the new finale for in dramas. Game of Thrones really changed the way we yeah. do things. Yeah, because, like, if you look at even, like, a lot of, um, like, just a lot, of, a lot of shows in general, you'll get that second to last episode is like, oh, that's where everything goes down. As, a, as we're watching The Wire, the second to last episode of even the, the Wire, in my opinion, are like, oh, this is when stuff is going down. And then the finale is usually like cleaning up in a lot of the aftermath. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I think they're just following suit here and they gave us so much to think about. And then uh, we have Shiv involved in... Uh, I don't even know what to call it, like dick pic gate. Um, Roman gate. Roman gate is is better and something I feel more comfortable saying multiple times. But <laughs> Shiv's, Shiv's involved in that and is uh, ready to pounce as soon as she sees her opening. So I, I kind of want to discuss that. What's your read on it? Is is Shiv in control or is Jerry in control? What do you mean? During their discussion, when Shiv pulls Jerry aside mm-hmm. to discuss the dick pic, yep. and Shiv is very clearly trying to leverage power over Jerry about this and get Roman, like... Yeah, Jer- Jerry is fine in you that, in that, in that conversation. Fine. Yeah, the, Jerry is not an idiot. She's not a fool. Um, even though Shiv is saying some things that are potentially scary, Jerry knows that. That's why Jerry earlier in the episode was asking uh, Roman to stop. Like, Jerry knows about the implications. Jerry understands it. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the finale tonight, Jerry and Roman cook up a scheme to um, make this less problematic. I think Jerry is in control of the conversation with Shiv. Mm -hmm. I don't think Shiv is a real threat to Jerry. No. I do think that Jerry and Roman being on top and the whole Roman Gate scandal does mean they're both due in for a knockdown. So I mm-hmm. could see Jerry losing her position of CEO by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's possible. What I don't see happening is... So I don't think Jerry's being fired. I think Roman had a pretty uh, good line about that. Agreed. Yeah. Um, when, you know, I'm no feminist, but, you know, firing a, a woman for receiving a dick pic is not a good look. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think... I think she's not going anywhere in terms of being fired. Whether or not she loses the position or not, I'm not sure. Um, her and Roman do need to do something, though, because I think Shiv was painting a picture of this is going to be a real problem with HR. This is, you know, if the company finds out and then understands that the CEO can't even handle her own sexual harassment, like, which, by the way, that phrasing. Um, it's it's which, Shiv yeah. trying to do what she did with the the woman who was going to testify last season. Yeah, yeah. But the power is not in play here. No, no. Um, so, I mean, you also got to remember, like, Jerry's background is in law. Yeah. So she knows how to handle herself under pressure. Um, she's fine here. So 
I'm curious to see what they do, what they come up with if they, so, cause like I thought about some different options, like, are they going to start publicly dating? Um, That'd be interesting. I would th- be the cleanest way to save face. I would throw I mean, that out there. But not super clean. It would definitely not be super clean. Um, are they going to have to go through some kind of like behind the scenes legal process to keep everything under wraps? Um, I'm like, or even just, even if they need to go to HR to just de- like to declare that they are dating in the eyes of the company or whatever, um, to make it seem like this was not um, Roman going off and doing his own thing. Like yeah. a consensual thing. Yes. I feel I like that's that's where I think it's gonna go. That would um, be the that'd probably be the safest way for them to like secure their current positions. Yeah. Uh I have oh, so the thing here, um so Logan when he's screaming at Roman, uh are you a sicko? Is I believe that that's your favorite of yes. the lines that he uses. Um he mentions, he says, Jerry's like a million years old. It's disgusting. You're it's... a laughing stock. Is he talking about himself? Yeah, right? So I, and I've seen a lot of conversation on this episode. I've like listened to a couple of podcasts and stuff as well. And But I've not seen anyone talk about the irony in all season long, we've had Logan, this older man with uh, his younger uh, like assistant. Yeah. And supposedly, based on what Shiver and Roman are saying, everyone knows stuff is going on with them. Um, and according to Tom, he's not even sleeping with Marsha anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> That's what people are saying. <laughs> what conversation is Tom, like, you know, just grabbing coffee in, like, the break room, and people are like, hey, did you hear? Uh, so, uh, on that note, yeah, I, I think Tom is actually in Logan's inner circle now. Like, I love that. Yeah, I noted that too. He's like in the opening, he's there. Yeah, he's also uh he's in that private meeting yep. with that where Ro- before Roman sends the dick pic. Yeah. Um interesting. Yeah, and it's uh he's also Tom isn't in those situations afraid to say things that are like contradictory to Shiv's stance as well. Yeah. Um he's pretty much there to look good in front of Logan. So I don't know. I mean, we talked last week about him being a potential contender. Um, he would need something to really, truly set him up for, like, like yeah. we would need a scene with Logan having a conversation with him about, like, hey, this could be, like, uh, like I'm considering you. Mm-hmm. But, sorry, Lillard. Um, she, like, honked. You okay over there? She, like, honked. <laughs> um... Yeah, there needs to be a scene, some kind of foundation. We could get in the finale for Logan to pull Tom and be like, hey, I know that you're with my daughter. My daughter's, like, imagine, like, Logan being like, she's not fit to do this. I saw what you were willing to do. Like, know that I have my eye on you. I can kind of see that now. I yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't a few episodes ago. But, like, reevaluating Tom's presence mm-hmm. in association with Logan recently, like, he's just, he's too close in a way that he wasn't before. Mm-hmm. It's significant. I think Logan genuinely trusts him now. Yeah, and, like, Shiv could, um, 
Because I could see Shiv buzzing, like buzzing around Logan again regarding this whole incident with Roman. Yeah. And Logan being like, dude, shut up. Like, leave me alone. Because um, at the end of the day, like, I mean, it doesn't really change anything other than uh, Logan's perspective of the of like his children or, or of Roman and Jerry. Yeah. But otherwise, like the deals that Roman worked hard for, that's still going to go through. They're not going to put off Gojo because Roman is a, a sicko. Well, that's the thing, though. I think the Gojo deal isn't going to pan out. Yeah. With like with what I was saying about Madsen and Kendall earlier. Yeah. I think that could be a way of like, you know, Roman and Jerry save face with the whole, oh, they're dating thing. But the Gojo uh, merger still fails. Mm-hmm. So Logan's opinion of Roman just depletes even further. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing I really uh, have to say about Roman here is, um, do you think he had a shot with Lori? <laughs> do I think he had a shot with Lori? Yeah. I, I think that if Roman, if Jerry did not send Roman away to speak to Madsen, he would have fucked Lori that night. Yeah. It was so funny. <laughs> that, that, that was one of my favorite back and forths where, uh, where Jerry says says to Roman, "Don't don't you dare fuck Lori," <laughs> <laughs> and Roman's like, "Yeah, we could bring him into like whatever weird thing this is. He could be part of this." <laughs> I love uh, when Jerry's getting out of the car at the beginning of the episode, and she, her awkwardly holding on to Lori's arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What else do we, did we have going on in this episode? We have, of course, the great dinner scene with Kendall and Logan. Um, the lead up to that being Kendall uh, coming to the wedding just to find out that he is really not wanted in a lot of places. So Kendall says, okay, uh, let's let's do dinner. But he has to go through Roman uh, to make that happen, even though Logan's standing right there. And Logan doesn't even acknowledge him. No, he doesn't. Yeah, um, that was uh, that scene. I mean, you and I texted earlier this week and said that 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 scene was incredible. But like, even on rewatch, they deliver. It's so tense. It just absorbs you. Mm -hmm. The the way that they both look like they're on the verge of tears. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize it as much the first time, but rewatching it, Logan's eyes, they're very Mm -hmm. sad. Yeah, he's hurt. He's it's, really hurt. It's a real heartbreak. Um, and did you, um, what I was thinking about that whole time is, did you, uh, I, I had said it to you, I, I don't blame you if you didn't read it or even read all of it, but the, the um, Jeremy, this Jeremy Strong, Jeremy Strong article, yeah. I did, I read all of that. Oh my goodness. So I was thinking about that the whole time and how, um, oh, I don't know the actor's names well enough, but uh the actor who plays Logan, Brian, Brian Cox. Cox. Okay, so Brian Cox um, was just talking about how he worries about Jeremy because of his acting methods, um, because the way that he isolates himself, puts himself like down, it, like it gets results, but it scares yeah. him. I just, I was thinking about that as in like, like this whole scene, thinking about how if Jeremy hadn't seen Brian Cox before this, if they hadn't properly rehearsed this, and then like this was the result um 
or just thinking about like how many directions and like improvisation and movement yeah jeremy strong is pulling off the shot of after the conversation when logan walks away and kendall's uh just sitting there by himself and like kind of shakes the wine and then sips it um like uh, everything about this they just both brought it so hard it's uh, one of the best acted and directed scenes of television mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Yeah. And yep. just uh, everything about it is perfect. From Kendall accusing Logan of like thinking that he'd poison him mm-hmm. to his little jab with the waiter being like, oh, that one's his. Yeah. And then Logan making Iverson eat the mozzarella. So I interpret upon rewatch and knowing that that's going to come. Yeah. So. Kendall did it a little bit in jest, right? He was like, oh, that, that one's his. Yeah, he, he's, a little bit he's, in jest. He's playing. He's not trying to be, like, mean-spirited. I think Logan... So Logan recognized the jest and then played into it. Like, I think... I don't think Logan... I mean, I, I, Logan wasn't actually concerned about being poisoned or anything like that. But... I think, like, it was just a power move. Like, it was just all yeah. power manipulation on his part. I, I agree. Logan yeah. didn't think he was being poisoned, but he saw that Kendall made a jab at him, so he mm-hmm. picked up the knife and then twisted it in his grandson's yeah. back. He was pretty much saying, like, you can't kill me. Um, like, even if you wanted to, you couldn't do that. I'm smarter than you. I will, ha- like, I would have your son try, like, it's this whole thing. Um, side note, Iverson Theory, he's the successor. Um, I, who has a better story than Iverson the Broken? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could see it, Ren. I could see some kind of, you know, Logan asks often about the boy. How's is the boy doing? Yeah, I don't love that. I don't love the is he getting better part. Um, right, because as I understand it, uh, he has uh, autism, right? Yes, okay, so I that, that's the vibe I was getting as well. Yes. Um, like, so I, it, has, it hasn't been, like, said, but it's yeah. definitely been, like, implied. Like, Rava had a comment in season one mm-hmm. that kind of suggested he had autism. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't love Logan consistently be asking yeah. Kendall, like, how is he, is he better? Um, like, no, that's not how that works, Logan. Um, but no, I, I honestly, I, it's not ruled out in my mind. Iverson I, I, for successor. I feel like would have to go on for a couple seasons. Are we gonna to become the successor? Yeah, yeah. Logan sits down. He looks at his uh, the generation below him. He says, "This is trash." But Iverson, Iverson, you know, he took a hit. He ate the mozzarella. He he fought uh, the uh, Robo Wars in season nine. He fought in the Robo Wars. He is a, a someone. Who could run this company? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna throw that out there though. That's my Iverson. Yeah, that's my my like hot take of the week. Iverson for successor. I feel like Greg being Logan's son is more like Iverson's successor. I hate that theory. I thought more about it, and I I really don't like it. I don't think Iverson successor. (laughs) I I just I can't see that. He's so young. Oh, but okay, maybe, maybe Logan you, dies. Eighteen-year-old successor, and the whole will. Like yeah, the like whole will prodigy. is for Iverson. <laughs> yep, everyone's written out. Yep, <laughs> Roman sent one too many picks. Shiv, uh, 
you know, uh, buzzed one too many times around Logan. Okay, so all along, Logan is going for, like, a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing. <laughs> scheme. Iverson's the only one who's pure of heart and innocent enough. Yeah, yeah, and then Logan and Iverson will take, uh, go into the glass elevator and fly, burst their way through the building and fly up over the streets of New York. Alright, that's a pretty good ending. Right, if, it, if it ends like that, I'll concede to Iverson being the successor. Yeah, okay. But if it's anything less than a Willy Wonka parody, I'm out. Yeah. Um... What else? We get Logan's um, Logan's homophobia comes through here as well, which is always like sickening. Um, it, yeah, it, it's gut wrenching. Like, times this season, I think specifically. So he's done it a, a few times towards Roman. Um, yeah, this, it's, it's usually directed towards Roman. Yeah, this is the first time that I, it's I've seen it directed towards Kendall. But um, the thing is, when he's directing it towards Roman, I feel like Logan kind of believes it. When it's directed yes. towards Kendall, it's definitely like a lead-in for the drug question. Yeah. It's him like putting the knife in, because he knows that's not the case, but then he yeah. twists it with the drugs, which yeah. he, you know, it, that's obviously what happened. Um Yeah. It's it's very rough. Uh and, and then I mean just like the everything with it. The uh it's all bullshit. Uh, if it's all bullshit, I'll leave. Let's be civil and not dump our guts out on the counter. Um, Logan's inability to discuss anything, you know, yeah. raw or real. Mm-hmm. But for what it's worth, he he does listen to Kendall for a while, and Kendall yeah. does get into some pretty, you know, intimate stuff. Kendall says he's evil. Kendall, Kendall says, "Dad, you are evil." I like. I don't know it. The Kendall side of the conversation tears me in half. Yeah. On one hand. Like, I appreciate the fact that he's, that he does feel like he has this responsibility to call out what his father is and what he's, like, finally realized is wrong. Yeah. Like, there is an inherent hypocrisy at play just because of who Kendall is, but I think Mm -hmm. he does recognize that that's part of where his depression is coming from. Yeah. Like, at the same time, like, Kendall just... I don't, he doesn't know how to dialogue with Logan correctly. No. He escalates things and just like you're evil and I Mm -hmm. like you're all the corruption you've contributed. And yeah, this is all true, but Mm -hmm. like his first, the first half of this conversation where he's pitching what he wants, where he's like, I want Ficret, I want Jess, I want $2 billion and I want out. And I'll just like be completely out of your life. Like that's solid enough. It clearly hurts Logan when Kendall says that he'll be disinherited and won't speak at his memorial. But, like, Kendall composes himself well in that moment. But then he flips to the, you're evil. Yeah, he completely loses him. Completely loses him. And it's and, right after he says, uh, there are just some things you can do that I can't. Yeah. Maybe. And yeah. It's, that, it's that maybe that sticks out. Yeah. Well, so, because he, and, um, yeah, Kendall, like, hesitates, and he's like, I'm not, not you he like he struggles and like there i go back to the line of like of logan saying to kendall or in regards to kendall like he's not a killer yeah right um and so like my mind goes there and i just i love it it's like kendall's wanting to say like i'm not a killer like i'm not you except he is like he's literally a killer um and it's been tearing him apart for the past like year however long this the the time in the show is but um there's so much greatness i love that maybe that you bring up ren yeah um it was one of my, and 
yeah. it's one of my favorite lines because I can't tell if it's like if it was written in the script or if it was just like a on the spot improvisation because it feels so like profoundly real. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. It, I don't know. You you can definitely script something like that. Like Succession is well written enough where you can script it. But yeah. the the way they de- like they both delivered it, Jeremy Strong's maybe and Brian Cox's kind of like acceptance of it. I don't know. It it struck me as one of the realest moments in the episode. Yeah, yeah. The scene is fantastic. Uh, it's so good. It's one that I know I will go back to so so many times over the rest of my life. To be honest, and just uh, appreciate the acting that's on display here which is but like that's why it's heartbreaking if we lose logan we lose uh sorry kendall we lose that uh that acting i know we lose like like the best interplay in the show yeah like they're all so good don't get me wrong they're all so good they also bring so much to the show but um all right and so that's what kendall and logan have going on this week um, just for then that end scene with, with Kendall to be lying down, face down in the water, potentially seeing how long the driver was uh, breathing. And what a beautiful scene that was. That was mm-hmm. one of my favorite shots in the show. Mm-hmm. The, and then, like, the pan out from underwater upwards. Yeah. And just the lingering in the music. Just A-plus world-class television. Ren, what about... Um, uh, you and I last week talked about pretty much succession as a whole thus far in our favorite moments. Uh, we didn't discuss the $40,000 watch, which makes a comeback here. Oh, is that the time? <laughs> <laughs> I love Greg's watch, the relationship ladder, the fact he's losing interest in Comfrey. Yeah. Yeah. The, the boy who's parched finally craves mineral uh, water. <laughs> No, it's so, the point suddenly... where is criticizing mineral water. Oh. <laughs> the man dying of thirst in the desert. Oh, man. Yeah, the, um, I mean, so the way that Connor gets the $40,000 watch. Where Greg? Uh, yeah, thank you. Where Greg says, uh, yeah, uh, Greg's like, I-, I like this watch. And Kendall's like, yeah, you can have it. And then Greg is told to hand over his credit card to buy it it's fantastic earlier in the season um but potentially a worthwhile investment as he almost picks up a countess that's right uh but roman's going to dinner with her yeah so i'm, I'm sure we'll see some of that in the next episode mm-hmm. yeah i don't know um i don't i feel like we won't i think that you don't think so no i feel like they just didn't know what to do with greg this episode i feel like the the discussion with comfrey is kind of or like what he his musings on Comfrey mm-hmm. are setting up what he's going to do in the finale. I think he's getting more royified. Yeah, like he's getting a bit more vain, a bit more superficial. Yeah. Status. Oh man, you know, he doesn't want to date Kendall's assistant. We're losing con- uh, cousin Greg to the dark side. <laughs> um. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Comfrey goes over, kisses his cheek, and she's like, "Oh, uh, phone time." He's like, yeah, I, like phone time. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope we see more of him in the finale. I can assume that we will. Oh, definitely. But um, I think based on all the things that are in play right now, he is not at the center or focus. And that is okay for a little bit. Um, what else? I'm going to just look through my notes real quick, see if there's anything else that I 
uh, oh, I liked uh, at the beginning of the Shiv and Tom scene, uh, Shiv's, uh, Tom's like, how was your night? Shiv's like, it sucked. What about you? And Tom says, uh, Roman implied Peter killed his first wife and then tried to goad Lori into talking indelicately about Jerry. I love that line. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, we didn't see the scene, but we practically saw that scene. Yeah. Um, I liked Tom comparing 10 years to two and a half Olympics. I like his way of perceiving time. Yeah. That's, uh, he sees, sees it in, in Olympics. What are you uh, expecting out of Sandy and Stewie from the finale? Um, not much. I think you're more invested in both of them than I am. I, um, I, I just think they're big players in the making. Yeah, I don't... Because uh, the way that we see them, they're in the beginning of this episode, They're as they're being told about the Gojo deal that's potentially going through, um, they're like a little bit pissed that they weren't told earlier, but they overall seem happy with it. I don't think that they'll love the... Uh, if it does go through, that they'll love the um, even split. Yeah. So, are, you, are you feeling lucky? Do you want to go to Macau? <laughs> I, um, I liked Logan being so thrown off by what is essentially how all billionaires in today's modern world uh, communicate. I thought I thought that was a quaint little trait to give Logan. Yeah. Especially when like mm -hmm. I mean, did I say Logan or Roman? You said Logan. Okay, yeah. especially when uh, Roman later is just kind of explaining to Logan that, you know, he's, Matson isn't fucking around. He's mm -hmm. doing this to, like, you know, increase his portfolio, increase mm -hmm. his net worth, and it's a move. Like, something Logan would do if he were tech-savvy in another era. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was a very interesting way of Roman saving face, and definitely one of the smartest things he's done, so it's a good thing that happens before his old dick pic. Yeah, uh, I... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, and I was, um, it's, I love how that scene is set up. It's such a good setup, right? Because you're set up with like, oh, Roman has to deliver bad news to his dad. Yeah. This is it. This is, he's finally going down and it goes great. He spins it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Just for everything to uh, get burned to the ground. And you know, due to something that he did not need to do and he no. was told to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Greg uh, really likes fermented yogurt. It's a good gut cleansing drink. Uh, he says we're trying to impress the empress. Uh, sexy, uh, no, uh, what is it? Sexy secretary that Roman oh, creepily yeah, Roman's, told Roman's Shiv. making a few incestuous comments this season. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't like them. No. Uh, are you interested in doing a Curse of the Roy's podcast with me? A Curse of the Roy's podcast? We'd have to discuss Connor's mother. We could try reaching out to the family, see who we can get on. Yeah. Maybe mm -hmm. the perches. Yeah, someone named Rose uh, could be good. We, we can just talk to a bunch of women named Rose, kind of see what happens. Yeah. Uh, throw, throw darts at the dartboard and hope that something sticks. Yeah. Um, on that note, do you think Kendall's going to go on that podcast? So that would be interesting to see. Kendall has is feels like he's not going to be allowed out of the company with money. Yep. Right. Uh, if he is still alive, uh, is he that where he's going? A, he feels a moral obligation yep. to do or say something mm -hmm. about what his family is doing, evident by how he completely tanks his negotiation with Logan. Yeah. So is is that what he's going to do? Is he going to pull Logan down by saying, hey, 
I killed this boy. The reason why no one knows about it is because my family worked hard to cover it up, my father. But, like, that kind of just brings us back to where we ended with season two. It does, well, in a different way, you know, because this is, like, I feel like this is the ultimate consequence of what happened at the end of season one. Like, people Mm -hmm. finding out. There's, I don't know, I just can't envision a succession where this successfully stays under wraps, and Kendall never has to deal with the brunt of it. Yeah. Like, it's all, yeah. Like, I get what you're saying, because it's like, it's Kendall taking a hit at Mm -hmm. Logan again to end the season. Mm -hmm. But I guess it would would have to be in the way if they frame it. If they save it until the very last scene, then yeah, that's derivative of season two. Yeah. But if it's something that happens in the course of the episode and it's addressed mm -hmm. and it's dealt with and it's a plot point, I think that's a little bit different. I mean, what if it's just, instead of him doing it to bring down his father, what if it's just him? What if he's just like, uh, I'm going to go turn myself in and I'll take all the fall. It was all me. I could see that. The the reason yeah. I'm layering on the podcast angle specifically, though, mm-hmm. is because in the dinner scene, Kendall actually mentions podcasts again. Yeah. So that stuck out to me as, like, something to maybe remember. That Thinking the show about wants it. To, like, think about it a bit. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I mean, any predictions for tonight? For this finale? Anything that we haven't already mentioned? I, okay. So I view Succession as a potential five-season show. I don't think it'll go past five. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, kind of thinking of this season finale as like, all right, this is the halfway point of the series. We're going into like the last act now, basically. Mm -hmm. I am predicting that Tom and Shiv's relationship will suffer a fundamental like break. Mm -hmm. Maybe they won't break up. Maybe they won't like split, but there's going to be like a, a fracture that they won't be able to yeah. fix anymore. It's been building up so much that, like, I think Shiv has fucked up at this point. Their marriage. Yeah. I I think I think that that's gonna be Logan. I think it's gonna be Logan telling Tom, "Hey, it's you." And then Tom will be promoted to CEO. Oh, that would be wild. Oh, um, so no. you weren't thinking that? No, I mean, I was thinking that it wouldn't happen immediately. I think it'd be more similar to the vein in which he told Shiv, like, hey, it's going to be you. Ah, okay. I so, think he'll, it... so he'll start grooming Thomas. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I was envisioning that, because uh, Logan says he doesn't want Jerry hanging around his frozen piss. I don't <laughs> think he's going to fire her because of what Roman said. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely see him losing complete trust in her. Yeah. So I could see him flipping tom and jerry and put putting uh tom uh, in the ceo position that would like that would also be fantastic tom put into the ceo position and shiv just being absolutely livid because now tom has has the power yeah he has complete power in their relationship he got mm-hmm. what he wanted yeah the authority shiv like it shiv because they both wanted the ceo spot yeah so if tom has it it means shiv cannot yeah but like, oh, that'd be goes. so good. But obviously this means she'll probably scheme to get him out. And yeah. And further destroy their relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then next season we'll have posters that uh, have, have Tom and Shiv on opposite sides of it with different characters behind them as if it's going to be a war. Succession civil war. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, in terms of what's happening, we've already talked about if we think Kendall is going to live or not. Um, who knows what's up with Greg? We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's almost 
if you think about the grand scheme of things, sure, this Gojo deal is kind of up in the air, but like everything else is going pretty okay. It's it's going For, so okay. Yeah, I feel like there needs to be a wrench thrown into. There things. does. There hundred percent does. So, um, we shall see. Is anyone gonna die tonight? Other than like us starting the episode to find out Kendall. Like, if Kendall isn't dead, is someone gonna die? If Kendall isn't dead, he's not gonna die. But you actually remind me of a point I wanted to bring up while mm-hmm. I was watching the uh, his like drowning scene at the end of the last episode. Yeah. <clears throat> like, if he survives, I could kind of see this as like the scene serving as like a baptism, like yep. Kendall, like functionally changing as a character after this. Mm-hmm. Because he's at a point where if anyone's going to undergo radical character development and, like, flip on what Mm -hmm. the Roys believe in, it's Kendall. If only out of the moral obligation he feels now. Yeah. Like, I... Or maybe that's just me wanting to see this pushed even further. Because I love the idea of Kendall just self-destructing while trying to take his family down because Mm -hmm. he believes this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, it's tough. Because we saw him this season, like, half-heartedly try to like advocate for like this company is terrible these people are terrible um and did not really get anywhere in the mainstream and or if anything just he looked uh like a little bit psycho yeah so i don't like he would it would need to be different for him to actually make some some motion there but uh i'm excited though it's gonna be a, a good finale i'm gonna be sad that it's gonna be over but um i'm happy that you got caught up with it ren so we could talk some succession and i can't wait to become a succession podcast for 10 weeks next year yeah yeah just do 10 weeks straight of of succession (laughs) um and i like that you're saying next year i'm uh very optimistically hoping that it is next year oh bryce i'm gonna go ballistic if season four isn't next year (laughs) yep if they give us like two or three years to wait i'll be very upset but um other than that, Ren, any other last-minute thoughts? Last-minute thoughts? I don't know. This was a great episode. It's been a great season. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting how self-contained the season feels compared to the first two. Not yep. in the sense that the story is self-contained and independent of what else has happened, but it like season one and two, we kind of go through three acts in mm-hmm. each one. Yep. Season one, we kind of have like the first two episodes is introducing everyone to what's going on. Like, middle stretch is the vote of no confidence, Kendall failing, all that. Yeah. Last stretch is Kendall, like, trying his comeback, and then end of season one. Yeah. Season two, first few episodes, we kind of get, like, you know, set, like, Shiv's successor potential. Yeah. Middle episodes, we have the Pierce deal. Uh, last few episodes, we have the Rhea Jarrell stuff and the CEO, like, fallout. Yeah. But season three has been, like, completely focused around this narrative of Logan versus Kendall and their relationship with everything else kind of mm-hmm. circling around it in a bubble. And it's different, but I like it. And I'm I'm curious to see how the ending's going to wrap everything together. Or if, like, the final episode will make the season even better in retrospect, or if it'll just kind of, like, land where it's been the whole time. Which, yeah. is, which is very good television. Yeah. Um... It's definitely a difference from the first two seasons, and I I don't I can see that being a problem with certain people who like the excitement of succession mm-hmm. and like the ever changing storylines. But I like lingering on one massive plot for a little bit. It makes the world it, it makes it feel more important, which I think is is important. 
And I mean, with that said, like, I think 30 minutes in tonight, we're going to get a, like a huge oh crap moment. Oh, for sure. That will. Like, yeah. And it's not like the character drama hasn't been incredible every episode. No, no. Um, like, consistently amazing and just gripping. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and we talked like I was saying that in this episode alone, there's like scene after scene felt like this is going to be one for the books. But even just thinking about the season so far, um, there's just so many scenes that stand out as like, wow, that was that was incredible. Though, like, I think my favorite scene of the whole season, um, having not seen the finale yet, is like the one with all the the Roy siblings in um, Kendall's. Is it Sophie in Sophie's bedroom? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, was just great. Just seeing them, their banter, they're trying to work through. Uh, which side does it make the most sense to be on while trying to gauge what the others were thinking? So good. It's crazy to think that happened this season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, was I was a while just ago. saying how this season feels self contained, but a lot's kind of happened. A lot's happened in a short amount of time within the show. Yeah. It's been maybe like a month or two months, right? It hasn't been that long. No. So, all right. Well, with that, um, we will be back next week to talk the succession finale. Um, and then we'll also be back sporadically um, after that for three episodes in which it will be released about the Grinch. Friend, you and I can talk offline about uh, when we want to do those. And um, otherwise, um, we'll be talking Neds at the end of the year. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, And you can find us on different medias. Check us out. And uh, other than that, take care and have a good rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed the Munion reception. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. my favorite trope i love the workaholic dad trope who turns into a dog or just the workaholic dad specifically the workaholic dad trope but so just like, liar, that. liar uh liar liar i just watched jingle all the way um this the santa claus um as well has that that trope um shaggy dog what else has it any other good ones with like workaholic dads who learn to love their son in the end succession oh huh yeah yeah so is logan is logan gonna turn into uh a creature it the lesson by the end of the series will be that logan logan realizes he should spend more time with his children away from work mm-hmm. and that'll be it that'll be the only message of succession yeah they'll sit down and they'll watch uh that uh crappy tractor movie that Roman greenlit. And they'll all laugh together. Mm -hmm. And it'll be great. The Roy family will all finally all be together. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to... It's it's bothering me, Ren. There's one more, and I don't know why I can't think of it. Workaholic Dad. I, I don't know if he gets turned into anything. 
So but, who's the actor? Who's the actor you're thinking of? I don't even. So well, okay. Let's think. Is Mrs. Doubtfire? Does that play into that, or is that that dad's too silly? That's divorce. The game plan? <laughs> no, that's different. But, the game plan is the same thing. The game plan, he's like, he's addicted to his work. Well, but like in the workaholic dad scenario, yeah. you also need the, you need the wife there to be like, you're not paying attention to us and the kids. I'm going to go to my mother's during the climax. Yeah. Game plan is, is a uh, unexpected child trope. Yeah. Or like, uh, or a uh, father who isn't meant like abnormal father trope. You think like, of Jack Frost? Uh, does Jack Frost have that? Is he a workaholic dad becomes a snowman? I, I think in like lore, he works for his firm. Yeah. <laughs> Most Christmases he doesn't come home, <laughs> and that's why it gets cold during the winter. Yep. Then he Is walks home. I just, I just asked I that. I just I said, "Rule that out." But like, let, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the table. He's too silly. I, I think it's the opposite. I think he's not. I don't think he's a workaholic. The workaholic dad needs to be serious. Yeah, because in that case, uh, he gets home. He misses his kid's birthday, right? In uh No, 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 no. In that case, he's at he's running his kid's birthday. The mom's the one who's the workaholic. So right? And then these, Sally Fields okay. comes home and is upset. So you're saying we need a Mrs. Doubtfire to counter out the workaholic parent trope? Um, no, well, Mrs. Doubtfire showed us the other perspective. So the other parent's angle. So, but like that means like naturally the natural foil for the workaholic parent is the Mrs. Is, is Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. So every movie that has a workaholic parent would be better if the other parent was Mrs. Doubtfiring as like the B plot. Yeah, yeah, because then the kid, the kid would be fine. Yeah. The kid would be all like all good and happy. Um, instead, in most cases, it's like the boring like gray dull parent with their workaholic spouse and the kid's miserable the kid is absolutely miserable click click yeah is that the same thing he he works so much that the remote starts skipping his life yeah and then he dies in the street in the rain yeah yeah classic workaholic dad ending yeah um there's like I don't know, Ren. Maybe that's a that's a, a study for you and I to do at one point. Bryce and Ren and workaholic dads. Yeah, we just watch like six or seven workaholic dad movies, <laughs> and then uh, see if there's any thesis there. Yeah, if if they really just needed a Mrs. Doubtfire to counterbalance the family dynamic. 